Welcome to the Dr. Dean Show. Today we're going to be doing part two of our look at the brain and how we can do the best job we can do in terms of parenting and helping our kids to grow up into adulthood. We're joined again by Dr. Zach and she will be helping us to look at this very important subject and topic which many parents want to hear about which is about discipline. Dr. Dean Beckloff has been working as a counselor with students, families, kids, and teens for over 40 years. As the founder of the Beckloff Behavioral Health Center, Dr. Dean focuses on children and families that need a little extra help via counseling. Each week with Dr. Elizabeth Zach, we discuss all things family-related to help people create the positive family they want to build. Welcome to the Dr. Dean Show. Welcome again. We're looking forward to this part of our show, which is number two. This particular topic, Dr. Zach, seems to be what people want to know about is consequences and how to handle consequences and how to deal with setting limits. So we're going to be looking at this again from the brain and how we can help our kids uh, best and how we can get in sync with the, with the brain. Um, just to let you know, uh, when I'm an old school teacher and I started teaching many years ago and they gave me two things. One, they gave me a, I know in today's world of computers, we don't have that, but they had a grade book. We had to enter the, <laughs> the grades by, by hand. And then number two, they gave me a paddle. And I was supposed to paddle the kids. Um, well, I think we've come a long way. Most people are always a little bit surprised to hear that. But, you know, throughout history, there's probably been a lot of differences about how to raise children. One of them, though, I mean, I was raised in a fairly punitive way, and that seemed to be the, the way it was. Um, in research, it seems to me, very early research, there were three different types of parenting that was discussed. One of them was permissive. Now, how would you characterize permissive parenting? So. I always think of permissive as as sort of the the fun parent, the bestie. I'm going to be your buddy type of of style, and you know there are many many parents who who subscribe to this. We don't want to be the mean mommy or the mean daddy, and I want to just be their buddy. And this is more of that permissive, that allowing things that um, may not necessarily need to be allowed. Right. 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 And and there are extremes, right? So right. then, you know, we have our permissive style. And then it sounds like what you may have grown up with more of the authoritarian. Yes, authoritarian. And how would you describe authoritarian? I like to think of of authoritarian as the drill sergeant, mm -hmm. right? The the I'm, I'm going to age myself a little bit, but the the Captain Von Trapp on trap, right? The whistle, the sir, yes, sir, the compliance. You know, this is sort of that style. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it would probably be fairly punitive too. Very punitive. Um, looking at discipline as punitive. There is a third one that is in the research, and this one is called authoritative, which is very interesting to me. How would you characterize authoritative? Authoritative is that that right in the middle gray, right? Not black, not white, not all, not nothing, but right in the middle that is nurturing, that is encouraging, that is um, 
caring and considerate, but at the same time sets limits. Yeah. Limits are need to be set. Firmness. Firmness. Yeah. Uh, we talked about a, a favorite author of ours last time, and he has a quote about discipline. He said, this is Dr. Dan Siegel. He says, too often we forget that dis discipline really means to teach, not punish. A dis disciple is a student, not a recipient of behavioral consequences. And, you know, that was really the way, like the if, if a kid is off track, I need to get onto them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I need to either yell at them, right. to guide them, get them going in the right direction, uh, yell, scream, or, uh, or punish right. in some way. Usually physical punishment was kind of what was used then. And um, so, but I think you're right. We're trying to get into that middle ground where we can uh, be caring and loving and at the same time teaching teaching because that's mm -hmm. where he's coming from and then number three that there are going to be some firm limits right now i have always felt that communication is key and vital and important uh, what, what do you are you in the same league or what do you think about communication we know as we talked about in our first episode that communication really is key to guiding a child from their lower brain, which is the reactivity, which is the big emotions, to upper brain prefrontal cortex, which is where we want them to be, which is problem solving and showing empathy and learning from past mistakes. The way that we have to get there is through language, through communication. And so it is critical. We talked last time, um, about you know the the first steps of discipline again teaching but by connecting by communicating by you know providing validation to their feelings and then you know we we shift into limit setting and and consequences as needed but that that shift is through communication and really if we're talking about limits and limit setting and also then perhaps some consequences that might result, those are part of learning, right? We're, we're doing that in terms of teaching. How do we teach our kids? So um, what do you think about a highly punitive style of parenting when we're talking about the brain? Um, do we know yet from research what yelling, screaming, spanking, hitting, all of those kinds of things, does that affect the brain of the child in a positive way or in a negative way? We have learned so much, which I think is why we have shifted from, you know, the spanking and the yelling and the paddle that you got as discipline for your students. We've learned so much about um, the impact of screaming and yelling and physical punishment. And, and the, the, the research has shown that it's not good. That, that really it damages a child's brain. In what way? It keeps them guarded. Okay. It keeps them, um, there's a part of the brain, getting a little bit technical here. Oh, that's good. That, um, it, that stays lit up, if you will. And it is the part of the brain that keeps them from shifting from that reactivity to responsivity. So we're keeping them actually from growing their brain and making those 
um, new neural pathways that we need them to make by all the screaming and the yelling and the hollering. So it, it, it isn't even a matter of, you know, learning, oh, that's just not the right way. We've really learned um, through research that this is, is damaging their brain. Mm -hmm. It is keeping them from growing in the way that we want them to. Okay, so when we're looking at these kids who have been raised with a more punitive style, right. what results in adulthood? What, what are some of the things that could result that might not be so positive? Right. You know, this is where some adults struggle with being inflexible themselves, struggle with emotional regulation themselves, struggle potentially with depression and anxiety. You know, there, there's lots of um, research that shows that those early years um, and, and that brain development that's happening during this time of childhood um, is really critical for adult um, mental health. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm in total agreement with you. And I think there are ways of raising our children mm -hmm. where we can have limits, right. set limits. Right. We can also have consequences. Right. And yet at the same time, we're helping the child to move up into right. the prefrontal mm -hmm. cortex where they can start yeah. managing themselves and growing and developing mm -hmm. and maybe not really having a horrendous time managing anxiety, for example. Sure. There's a lot of people right. with anxiety disorders, and some of it probably came out of this early childhood experience. So that's what we're trying mm -hmm. to say is, mm -hmm. how can we mm -hmm. kind of do it in a way that really builds the kid on the inside? Right. So right. let's get into consequences, because there, uh, I, I love this quote by Phyllis Diller. Okay. Back in my day, Phyllis Diller was a, a comedian, and she said, most children threaten at times to run away from home. This is the only thing that keeps some parents going. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, parenting is hard. Parenting, parenting is, is hard. very difficult. Uh, but the word discipline means to teach. So, first of all, let me talk a little bit about what I believe to be a good way to set a limit. Uh, and this is coming out of our own uh, work in play therapy, because even if we're working with kids in play therapy, we are setting limits because limits are incredibly important for all kids to know. And so we have a thing where number one, you state what the kid may be wanting. Right. Number two, you state, uh, what the limit is, and then number three, what they can do. For example, if a kiddo is bouncing on the couch, and that's not okay, then you would say something like, honey, looks like you you love bouncing on the couch. That's fun. Super fun to jump Getting on the couch. Getting into what they're thinking, number two, the couch is not for jumping on. Not okay to jump on the couch. And that's the limit. Then thirdly, what can they do? Mm -hmm. Let's go to your mini trampoline, honey, and I'll watch you jump up and down. Now, that's obviously for little kids, but mm -hmm. it it really is addressing what the child is needing. Right. Number one, we know that sometimes kids need to bounce. Bouncing helps a kid to calm down. Mm -hmm. They're needing to bounce. Number two, they may be jumping up and down to get our attention. Right. 
because they're doing something they probably know is not okay. Right. When we take them and go find an appropriate way to bounce, then they have number one, they've learned uh, that my environment's gonna take care of me, mm -hmm. they understand me, and number two, we're helping them with that need for attention. Right. Both. I'll give you a, a, a recent example that is, is for a teen, right? Oh, good. Yes, so this might be a personal example that just happened last night. Child is is getting very angry at the their homework that they were assigned or that's due today and wanting to rip up the homework, right? <laughs> so again, using the model, acknowledging their feeling. I know you're really frustrated with your homework right now. Letting them know what they can do or what they can't do, excuse me, right? We, we can't throw the book. We can't rip up your homework. And then letting them know, you know, what they can do. It's okay if you need a break. If you need me to sit with you and just give you some support, let me know. Right? Letting them know, again, we understand their feeling. We let them know the limit. And then we give them something that they can do instead. It's mm -hmm. a very basic strategy, but it can be super helpful and used in a variety of, of ways. I agree. And you know what? It, it is using communication, right. which is pulling the child up into the prefrontal cortex. Right. We're not screaming. We're not yelling. There's not even a consequence needed. Not we're at all. We're just helping to guide, helping them to think, and we're moving along. Because you don't have to have a consequence every time. You do not. Now, what if you do? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we, you do. We're going to be talking about several different ideas right, about right. consequences. Yes. But um, what do you think if you do any thoughts about consequences, setting limits, setting up consequences? Uh, what kind of consequences? Anything that comes to mind just off the cuff, first of all? So many things. I think we could spend many, many shows just talking about consequences, positive consequences, negative consequences, all, all of those things. I, I wanted to, to talk a little bit about when we're talking setting limits mm -hmm. before we maybe jump into consequences. Okay. You mentioned the strategy of um, kind of the you know three-step model. Another strategy that I really love uh, using with kids is what we call two sides of the coin. Mm -hmm. Using this model of, of giving them their options helps kids understand that their choices dictate the consequences, whether those are positive or negative. And I'll give you a little bit of an example. So when we're using two sides of the coin, we're, we're highlighting the word choice. Mm -hmm. right? They are choosing. You are letting them know it is their choice in what they're doing. So. You know, um, Sam, if you if you if you choose to continue um, screaming, um, then you're choosing, you know, while we're playing this game, then you're choosing to go to your room and have some quiet time. But if you choose to stop screaming, then you're choosing to continue to play with us. It's your choice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Then what is amazing about the strategy that I love so much is we are no longer mean mommy or mean daddy. This is the child's choice. They are learning personal responsibility. They get to decide. 
And I think that is, again, it, it doesn't mean, you know, they're screaming and go to your room, right? This is just such a nice strategy that, that we don't necessarily need, you know, consequences. It, it's a redirection. It's setting limits on, on what they can do, their choice. Yeah. Now, what I think is critical about that, because mm. <laughs> I'm like any other parent, I would say, please stop, please stop, please stop, please stop, please stop. Till I was blue in the face. Right. What I did is I actually used that. Mm. Honey, if you choose to keep jumping on the couch, you're choosing to be in your room. Right. If you choose to stop jumping on the couch, you're choosing to stay here or we can go get on the mini tramp and I can watch you bounce there. Um, the parent has to be prepared to take action. Right. If you're not going to follow through. Mm -hmm. If you're not going to make sure that that happens, then we're just spinning our wheels. And sometimes it's easier just to uh, keep saying it over and over, hoping that something mm -hmm. will happen. The broken and record, it's right? It's important once mm -hmm. you, I steal myself when I said these words, it was going to happen. Mm -hmm. Whatever their decision. Looks like you decided to go bounce on the mini tramp with me, honey. Or looks like you decided to go to your room. Right. What is critical here, in my opinion, is that we don't necessarily look for how strong of a punishment that we need to give them so that they will never, ever do that again. Um, make sure it's something that you're willing to follow through with. Now, have yes. you heard of the Australian seatbelt story? <laughs> I think I might have heard this. Okay. But you share. <laughs> I don't know if this is the I truth. don't know if it is either. I don't either. know if this story is real, but the Australian seatbelt story is this. In Australia, when they finally decided that people need to start wearing their seatbelts, they debated and they debated like, you know, Congress people do. They right. debate. <laughs> right. And then finally they came up with, okay, we're going to give everybody who, who violates the law a $500 fine and so they went to work a year later came back looked at the research nobody was wearing their seatbelt anymore it it, it it had done nothing so they debated and debated and debated and debated as you know this is what congress people do they debate they debate and they finally one very intelligent uh, congressperson said let's give them a fine of fifty dollars and everybody's scratching their head thinking what <laughs> but they did it $50. And they did the research a year later. People were wearing their seatbelts. Why? Because the people who were in charge of enforcing were much more willing to give a $50 fine to the folks than a $500 fine to the good folks. So, you know, you have to think about yourself in the process too. Okay. Being able to follow through. I think you've said before, don't give, you're never going to have your phone for, for three months of summer. That's, it's not reasonable not and you're not going to do it. Yeah. 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 So sometimes the smaller thing, the better. Truly. I, it really, yeah. I mean, I think it may go against intuitive sense and parents think, you know, big misbehavior, big consequence. But then we don't follow through or we're not able to follow through. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had parents um, 
share, you know, my, my child was screaming. And so I said, you know, if you don't start, stop screaming, um, we're going to cancel your birthday party. We know that that isn't something that's reasonable. It's not something that, that they're going to follow through on. And so making sure that we can follow through and that the, that the consequence is, um, is reasonable and is, um, we'll go into this a little bit later, but you know, I think the punishment fitting the crime, right? Yeah. Having having some of those consequences that match, um, you know, the problem. Well, let's get into yeah. that because you uh, you have said several things here that have made me think about consequences, and one of them that you said was reasonable. Right. So, how do we set consequences? How do we figure them out? And sometimes. If we're, you know, in the middle of a situation, it's kind of hard to think about, okay, what am I going to do? And we get ginned up. We get excited. We get frustrated. We get upset. So what about consequences? Consequences mean something that comes after a behavior. You touch a stove, you get burnt. You go to work, you get paid. Not necessarily positive, not necessarily negative. It's something that comes after a behavior. And so... Are there any guidelines for parents? Uh, you know, like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to let my child touch the hot stove and right. learn from that. Right. Right? I mean, there are natural consequences that can take place, which there may be natural consequences that would be fine. And maybe you can think of an example of mm -hmm. a natural consequence mm -hmm. that you can allow to happen. Mm -hmm. but, um, but sometimes you just can't. I can't let my... Let me give you an example. And I used to the old, if you choose, okay, mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. my daughter. Mm -hmm. She want, I was out working in the yard, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. I was planting flowers, and my daughter was wanting to be out there with me, and she's two. So she comes out, but she keeps wanting to put her foot in the street. Mm. And I keep bringing her back, right. and she keeps wanting to put her foot in the street, and I keep telling her, no, that's not okay. Right. She can, she's got some language, you know, it too. And I finally, I said, if you choose to put your foot in the street, you're choosing to be inside. If you choose to not put your foot in the street, then you're choosing to stay out here with me. She looked at me and put her foot in the street. <laughs> so I took her inside yeah, the house. That's the consequence. She was at the window crying and crying. I waited a couple of minutes mm -hmm. and then I went in and got her and I said, now, can you keep your feet from going in the street? Mm -hmm. And she said, yeah. Mm -hmm. And she never put her foot in the street again. Now, um, I can't allow her to face the consequence of getting in the street. No. I'm a parent. I'm not going to let that happen. No. So There's no I, natural consequence yeah. that is okay in that situation. But I took her inside, yeah. and that helped her to understand that she really wanted to be out there. Right. So That's a logical consequence. Okay. okay. Yes. Yes. So going back, um, I think we forget sometimes um, that, that positive consequences can be incredibly powerful for our kids. You are a teacher. You know this. Teachers get this. Kiddos, um, you know, get their little smileys on their daily work, or they get a sticker, or teachers, um, you know, hand out tickets, right, for good behavior. And at the end of the week, they get to go to the treasure box and pick out something because 
you know, they earned this number of tickets. Uh, kids have assemblies. They, they get these awards, right, for behavior or for showing respect or responsibility. Yeah. Teachers get it. I think we as parents forget that we can use some of those same principles at home. You know, catching our kids doing the right thing. And, and, and that would be the positive consequences. Cons positive Good. consequences. Yeah. Consequences are not always negative. When we see, you know, a, a kiddo that we've asked to play nicely with their sister, and if they stop playing nicely, boy, we get on them for that. But if they're playing nicely with their sister, that's a time to, you know, even, even a thank you for playing so well together. Right. An affirmation, a hug, uh, a thank you can go a long way in reinforcing the behavior we want to see, right? Sometimes it, it could be a special treat. It doesn't have to yes, be. Yes, but it can but be. But it can be. Yes. If kids are well behaved at the doctor's office that historically creates lots of upset for them and, and they're able to go do their thing and they, they don't throw a fit, Maybe that's a, an ice cream treat on the way home. Exactly. That's okay. Kids love prizes. They love prizes. <sighs> they love the thank yous. Sometimes my dad would go on a trip and would come back and there might be something in his suitcase that he brought back. Right. You right. know, right. it's magical for kids. Right. Yes. right. Consequences do not always equate to punishment or negative, punitive types of things. So right. we, we need to remember that as as parents. Right. Yeah. Um, okay, so what's a person to do when they're faced with some inappropriate behavior? What are we going to do? How do we do it? I, I think we've kind of defined a couple of things. One, needs to be logical. Right. Needs to make sense. Right. We need to also think in terms of something that we will be willing to do um, and that we'll follow through with. Is, are there any other guidelines that you think are important here with, when it comes to setting limits and then, if necessary, some kind of consequence, whether it's positive or negative? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think those are the, are the main things. I, I would also add, considering if, if there has already been a consequence, for example, if your child perhaps gets in trouble at school and they have to meet with the principal, and they get a detention. That's a consequence. Mm -hmm. That's a negative consequence. That can be very um, powerful in terms of shaping behavior. We don't necessarily have to come home and give them another consequence. We don't have to take their phone. We don't have to, whatever the case may be. So I think making sure that we understand that that consequences aren't you know they're happening throughout the day and we as parents don't have to add additional consequences right i yeah. think what gets so many of our parents upset and frustrated is if the same behavior keeps happening right. over and over again right but for me that's a time to explore right like what are all the things that are going on here that are causing my child to have a hard time doing what they need to right. do Right. And what are some other things that we need to do? Like we said, this is about teaching. This is about learning. It's about training. Exploring that more deeply might be the thing to do. Talking to the school counselor, right. talking to the teacher, putting people's heads together, getting some outside help. Those are things that we can right. do. Right. Yeah. And going back to, you know, the, the different types of, of 
natural or excuse me negative consequences we often forget ignoring ignoring can be a powerful tool in our parenting toolbox it's taking away sometimes the attention it is responding by not responding and so you know it can be very helpful in times of children whining or even throwing tantrums or you know lots of other other times where we can remove ourselves from the room mm -hmm. that's a way of ignoring um, i remember when my kids would would be bothering me while i was cooking um, and whining about something um, i might just start humming or singing a little tune right and that's a form of ignoring um, you know, that is something that, that we can do as, as a way to, to shape what we're, you know, the kind of behavior that we're looking for. And then looking at the logical consequences, you know, I think those are always so powerful for kids. A kid that you tell to stop banging their toy on the ground and the toy breaks. That's a logical consequence. Yeah. Right. That's even a natural consequence. A natural consequence. Yeah. Right. Where right. That's going to happen sometimes. Right. Well, all right. So when when kids are going to have a negative consequence, okay? Yes. Most of them in this kind of method and procedure mm -hmm. enjoy those consequences. <laughs> Is that right? They're just gonna be so happy. I mean, they're as a parent, love you. they're not gonna be fighting it at all. Is that no. right? Oh, they're going to be really happy. <laughs> no, no. No, they I, will not be happy. They will. <laughs> Scream. Try to not listen. Right. Okay. Yes. I'm sure you've seen that. Yes. Try to evade responsibility. Yes. Try to engage you in an argument. Right. Try to become angry and yell at you. Right, right. <laughs> Have you had it, uh, any of these? Some of, some of those are familiar. <laughs> Try to engage in revengeful behavior. I hate you. That's a big one. You're the worst parent ever. And the ultimate, act as if it doesn't right. matter or affect right. them. Right, right. What do you do as a parent right. if any of those behaviors are coming through? And they all will come through. They all will come through. And and parents, I think that last one, well, you know, go ahead and take my whatever. I don't care. They do care. Yeah. They do care. You know, the old saying, um, keep calm and something right. on, right? You know, I think this is the keep calm and parent on, yes. right? You keep, keep calm and you parent on. Or the, the deodorant advertisement, you know? What's that? The... Uh, Never let them see you right. sweat. Right. Yes. Right. Right. You never let them see right. you sweat. That's right. And we stay personally in right. control. Right. We stay personally calm, yep. cool, and collected. Respond, don't react. Right. Respond, right. don't react. Right. Um, all right. So we've hit several things, but I wanted to touch base on a few other things. You've mentioned positive consequences. Is there anything else about that? I mean, you know, we try to help parents with, with some of that. Do you have any ideas about how to do that? And you've kind of alluded to that. What are some ways of setting up some positive consequences? There are so many different things that you can do. For some of our folks, they may need a, a more formal type of plan. They mm -hmm. may need a behavior chart which may involve stickers or 
um, points or things that they can trade in. Well, and these days there's apps for that too. And there are apps for that. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Technology has become our friend. You know, marble jars, lots of different systems um, that that can work. And I mean, you can Google behavior chart and get lots of ideas. Right. But I think, you know, also just knowing on the day-to-day, -day, being mindful of catching your kids when they are doing things appropriately. Right. Is right. so important. I would as a parent, and I think we've all been there, I would get into no, stop, mm -hmm. no, stop, no, stop. Right. And I would remind myself, find something right. Right. Find something right and talk mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. And 10 to 1, the dynamics would change, right. the air would change, and don't forget playfulness. Right. One time I was coming home, and my daughter was in a foul mood, and I was tired, and I sat down, and my daughter threw, I think, a ball. Wasn't supposed to throw it in the den or wherever we were at. Uh, something could have got broken, but instead of getting onto her, mm. say anything, I just lightly tossed it back and we engaged like that and she was a dream the rest of the night being playful being you know, playful take, using humor yes sarcasm just changing the tone follow their lead if she's throwing a ball throw it back and do it in a way that's not going to harm anything of course but there are ways of being playful right. and using their own lead right um Anything that you want to, you've sort of alluded to this too, but mm -hmm. there's so much in this topic. Mm -hmm. We've talked a little bit about dealing with toddlers. Personally, I think mm -hmm. toddlers just need a lot of redirection. Right. You know, uh, there's no needing need to be yelling, slapping their hand right. or anything. Uh, redirect, redirect. They've only been on the planet for a couple of years. Let's give them a little grace. For sure. Um, school children, I think mm -hmm. we've discussed some things. Anything in terms of teenagers, and I know we don't have a lot of time right. here, but... Right. Anything about teens? I'm glad you mentioned that. I have two teen boys, as you know, and when there is a, a, a problem that occurs, I think I do this. I know. I know lots of our, our families do the same thing, especially in today's day. Our automatic consequence, our go-to is I'm going to take away the device. We know that the device is highly prized and is very motivating mm -hmm. for a kid. And, and I just want to caution a little bit with that go-to strategy, going back to, you know, really thinking about discipline as teaching. What are we wanting the kid to learn through the consequence? And the automatic, I'm taking your phone for a week, may not be the best consequence. Right. It may not be. Really thinking through what do you want your child to learn? Um, I had a, a situation recently where a kiddo was um, posting some some kind of scandally clad pictures on their Instagram. And the parent thought, you know, I'm taking the phone and, you know, that's that's that. And talking through, you know, what do we want the kid to learn? Um, a conversation about what is happening and why they are doing this, I think, is an important part of that consequence, of that learning, teaching. 
possibly adding some parental blocks, right? There's lots and lots of apps right now um, out there that can help just to help with that level of supervision. Being able to consider alternatives, right? Maybe you have to do more spot checks. You tell your child, you know, honey, um, you know, I, I'm going to let you keep your phone. However, because of this, I'm going to be checking from, from time to time to make sure we're put, making good choices and what we put on Instagram. We don't have to just automatically take the phone because what are they learning from that? So I think that's just something I see more and more of as parents use that as their go-to is just a grounding from devices. And that can be a strategy, but let's really make sure that, that we're thinking about, is this helping them learn? Yeah. What is the teen learning? That's critical. I think you've hit it right on, and that's really the question that we need to be asking ourselves in any discipline type of thinking is, what do I want my child to learn? Right. Not necessarily, what can I do to, to uh, negatively impact their life? Right. It's about learning, I guess, is the knee jerk. Mm -hmm. One quote I've, I read that I think kind of sums it up too. Mm. Uh, the sign of great parenting is not the child's behavior. I'm going to say that again. The sign of great parenting is not the child's behavior. The sign of truly great parenting is the parent's behavior. Mm. Now, we have all blown it as parents. What do you do when you blow it? You will blow it if you haven't already. I can't imagine that you haven't already as a parent, but you will blow it. And you do just like you would do if you blew it with a friend. You apologize. You have a conversation about that. You model that you are human and you are fallible and you make mistakes and then you make amends, right? We don't just brush it under the table and hope that they forget. We acknowledge, you know, honey, I was really angry and I yelled at you and I'm sorry about that. I, I, I shouldn't have lost my temper with you. Absolutely. I've all, you know, I have a lot of parents who tell me that their child is not taking responsibility for their behavior. And so if a child's going to learn how to do that, that gives us the opportunity to again teach. Absolutely. Teach mm -hmm. how to deal with with life when you blow it and when you blow it that to me is good parenting when you come back and make amends mm -hmm. and say i'm sorry and can acknowledge that right. uh, i have many kids who tell me that their parents can never acknowledge mm -hmm. ever making mm -hmm. a mistake mm -hmm. and that's really debilitating to the kid right they see it they can smell that one out so just be honest tell the truth i blew it i'm totally in agreement with that yeah. Well, I think we have got to end. Our time is up. We could talk about this, as you said, for many hours, but we're going to end here. Thank you so much, Dr. Zach, for being here again Glad with us. And we look forward to coming again and doing this again. Thank you.